Amen. Thank you, JT and choir musicians. Choir special was beautiful this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to one of those great Christmas texts, Matthew chapter 1. You may remember, of course, I was sick last week, so thank you for all your prayers. I'm much, much better. And, uh, but the week before that, if you may remember, we started this series on the hidden Christmas. I got it from a book title I saw, the, the t- wording. The idea is that beneath all the hustle and bustle and beneath all the presents and, and glitter and so forth, there's this true historical event that uh, Christ came into this world for us. But also a little deeper than just the coming in a manger is the purpose. Remember Jesus said, the Son of Man cometh to seek and to save that which was lost. That's part of the thing that's hidden and sometimes even from God's people and church people they don't see beyond just the baby in a manger to a Savior who, who saves. Well, with that in mind, Let's just take two verses, then keep your Bibles open. We'll come back and look at these together. Look at verse 21 of Matthew 1. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means Jehovah saves, or it means Savior. And then verse 23 Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful description of the Lord Jesus. God with us. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for our time together. Make it profitable for each of us, I pray today. Let us see beyond the stuff that we all enjoy, the lights, the presents, and the celebration. May we see beyond that, though, to see the great hidden truths that sometimes are obscure during this season, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Stephanie Waddell grew up in a, to call it a, a, uh, Excuse me. A negative home, a negative influence would be an understatement. A dysfunctional home would be an understatement. She grew up in chaos. She would say, chaos was normal for me. Her father was the biggest drug dealer in their small hometown in Florida. He was also an alcoholic. She writes, I don't remember a whole lot about my very young life. I do remember standing outside of our trailer and hearing people holler and scream and crush things against the wall. She said, I also remember people acting really strange, like having conversations with paintings hanging on the wall. One time, she says, I walked out of the trailer and there was people having sex in the driveway. It was very insane, she said. 
She said, my dad was very distant, and a lot of the time he was gone. He was on the streets, running, running the streets and selling his drugs. We, she and her siblings, wanted nothing but love and acceptance from my dad, but it hurt that we couldn't get that because that was not a priority to him. And then when Stephanie was just very young, her mother ran off with another man. So that left her and her brother there with only the father who was the drug dealer and the alcoholic. And uh, she said, I felt abandoned. I needed my mo mother. I needed her love and compassion. So she says, I began to smoke weed when I was 11 years old. Drinking by the age of 13. By the time I was 14, I was selling Thank you, brother. By the time I was 14, I was selling drugs. We saw Daddy do it. It was just normal. She said, I stayed high and stayed wasted all the time. Can you imagine a little blonde-headed girl growing up in that kind of sin and that kind of environment and that kind of pain? She says, at the age of 15... She dropped out of school and moved in with her boyfriend, who was 24. The boyfriend, she said, was, uh, he cheated on me on a regular basis, and he told me, just deal with it. Eventually, she found another man, and then another man, and then another man. A pattern that went on for many years, looking and hoping to find someone to love her. But she only felt, felt more and more empty. She felt used and abused. She said, I was looking for acceptance. I hated that I would jump from one relationship to another. I pretty much hated everything about myself for many, many years. When she was 23, she went in the military. And she thought that would help. And it did somewhat. She quit using illegal drugs but the alcohol just got worse and the immorality got worse as well while she was in the military after four years she came back home to her little hometown and took up right where she left off using and selling drugs and so forth but one thing had changed her mother had trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. She became a believer in the Lord Jesus and a follower of Christ. And she began to invite her daughter, Stephanie, to church with her. So she went some here and there. And, uh, and she began to believe this, she said, there had to be something bigger than me out there. I had been trying to get sober on my own for many years, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't change my behavior or the way I was living. And then she says, and I'm quoting, Then one day the pastor talked about God's forgiveness and love and mercy and how it, was, uh, and how it wasn't through anything of our own. She said, I thought to myself, wow. She said it was kind of like, my eyes were just open to that truth. 
And in that moment, I knelt and asked Jesus to forgive me of everything I had done, and he did. Amen. She said he completely transformed my life. She said, I got on my knees and asked him to change me. That weekend was the last time that I drank or drugged or took pills or did anything like that. Amen? She said he completely freed me from it all. I found peace and acceptance. I found love and mercy and all those things that I had been looking for for all those years. And I found them all in Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at your screen for a moment. I'll show you a picture of Stephanie now. There she is today. She now is a wife, an adoptive mother, and the founder of a Christian organization called Freedom Life Compass, or Campus, a, uh, a Christian-centered nonprofit rehab and recovery organization. She tells, as of her family, her brother had come to Christ. You remember her mother came to Christ first. And her father, even though he was in prison for drug trafficking, he came to Christ in prison and was completely free of his drugs. She writes, nothing is too broken for God. Isn't that true? <laughs> she said, again, nothing. I'm just excited to see how God has transformed my dad and me and my mother and my siblings. I can't wait till my dad is out and we can all rejoice together in God completely redeeming my entire family. It's amazing to see what he can do when you let him work. The angel said to Joseph, his name shall be called Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. It doesn't matter if your sins are in the thousands or millions. He f saves us from our sins. He forgives our sins. And he does this with real people. This is just not stories. This is a real people. This lady you see in that picture went through all those things as a little girl and as a teenager and as a young lady. And he saves. He really transforms lives. He really forgives sin. He takes us from the broken to the joyous as he did with her. Real forgiveness, real transformation. Not only that, she had this emptiness in her heart that was filled because Christ came into her heart he is Emmanuel, God with us. That's the thing that's missing in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl until Christ comes in and he feels that emptiness and he's the only one that can do that. Well, now let's go back to the beginning of this text, verse 18. Remember, Jesus said... The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's at the heart of Christmas. Saving us from our sins. Now, in verse 18, <clears throat> we really pick up where we left off two weeks ago. To look at the Christmas story 
in chronological order. It's Luke chapter 1, <clears throat> excuse me, and then Matthew chapter 1, and then Luke chapter 2, and then Matthew chapter 2. So they, uh, that's the chronological order of the events. And so uh, when we come to verse 18, Mary, we've already read that Mary was visited by an angel and told she would bear a son of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we come to verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or it happened like this. This is the way it came about. When as his, uh, when as his mother Mary was espoused, or betrothed, that we talked about that, to Joseph, before they came together, that is, before they slept together, before they had sexual relations, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 19 begins to tell us a little bit about this man Joseph. Of all the billions of men who have been born since God created man, God chose this poor, uneducated carpenter to be the stepfather of his son, the Lord Jesus. Must have been a remarkable man. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, just man is a Hebrewism. It means someone who has been declared righteous by God, like Abraham was, and was following the Lord and doing the Lord's will. He was a just man and not willing to make her a public example. He was minded to put her away privately. Now, picture with me, he finds out she's pregnant. He hasn't slept with her, he knows that. And so immediately, he thinks it's someone else, of course. And his heart is broken. He, he would have found out, if not before, probably found out when she come back from visiting Elizabeth. She was three months pregnant at that time and would be showing and you can imagine his pain. Or if you hadn't thought about it, try to imagine his pain this morning. And then she probably explained to him that this angel, Gabriel, came and visited her and that the child in her womb was the Son of God. But he didn't believe that. I mean, who would? I mean, you and I believe the story of Christmas because we're believers. And, but if someone said that today, we would think, you know, some of their cheese slid off their cracker, you know. Well, he just frankly didn't believe her. And he had several options. He could take her to court and, and make a legal declaration that he was not the father. If he did that, she could have been stoned. Deuteronomy 22, 23 talks about stoning someone who is, becomes pregnant during the betrothal period. The betrothal, by the way, was, was binding. The only way to get out of that was a divorce. And, uh, and they were called husband and wife, even when they were 
had not yet come together physically to consummate the marriage. And so Joseph heard her story and he didn't believe her. He had several choices. If he, if he went to court to declare he was not the father to try to clear his name, because this was important to the Jewish people in that day. <clears throat> now the society we live in, getting preg pregnant out of wedlock or for a man or a woman, either one, can be devastating, but the world as a whole doesn't look critically at that person, but they did in that day, and especially among Jewish community. And so he could have cleared his name in that way, but she may have been stoned. So what he decided to do was to give her a, to put her away, that is give her a divorcement a legal document of divorcement that would separate the two of them and they would not consummate the marriage in a year as they were supposed to do and uh, they would go their separate ways now this shows a lot of compassion because everybody's gonna believe it was Joseph and Joseph is willing to bear this scandal himself because he loved Mary so much and didn't want her to be bear this scandal. And so that's what he decides to do. And so he was in a lot of pain. By the way, the, the movie, documentary movie that... Uh, David Jeremiah put out, we viewed that, if you remember, the first Wednesday night in December. And it's, it's a beautiful retelling of the, uh, of the Christmas story. And in that, you see Joseph really crying. I mean, he is sobbing in at least one scene. I think that's very realistic. Some of you sitting right here today, you've had a mate that has been unfaithful to you and you remember the tears crying yourself to sleep waking up in the middle of the night couldn't go back to sleep until you cried yourself to sleep again and it went on for days and weeks and months you remember that pain well that's the pain he felt he was devastated. This would change their whole life. Probably, they had been promised to each other since they were children. Remember, this is a very small little village, maybe 500 or more people there, counting the elderly and everybody, the Roman soldiers that had a station there as well. And uh, they probably knew each other, grew up together, Joseph and Mary. And somewhere along the line, their parents made this contract. And then when they got a little older, they had this betrothal uh, where they promised themselves to each other and that was to last at least a year and then they were to come together and consummate the marriage it was during that year period that she was found with child and so we see great compassion and kindness out of this man Joseph but then it changes even yet look at verse 20 <clears throat> But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. 
By the way, an angel appears to people uh, five times in Matthew's Christmas story. There's five revelatory dreams. Dreams where God speaks to someone, and this is one of them here. And uh, notice the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, verse 20, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine when he woke up, him saying, that crazy story was true. What she told me is true. It must have been a, a wonderful dream. Now his life that he had dreamed about being with Mary and marrying the one she, he loved, and now that could come true. So, verse 21 then says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord, spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, before we go on, just notice that one little phrase there, spoken of the Lord by the prophet. That's a beautiful little glimpse into the inspiration of God's word. Men, prophets, wrote it down, but God spoke it. And he spoke it through those prophets that wrote it down for us. Inspiration of the scripture. And then when you come to verse 23, it tells the fulfillment of that, uh, of that prophecy. By the way, there's 12, Matthew points out 12 fulfilled prophecies in his gospel but he quotes from the Old Testament 60 times. And where it says, by the way, verse 21, he's going to save his people from their sins, that's the first time the word sin is used in the New Testament. And it's simply a word that means to miss the mark. It doesn't mean we've all lived lives like Stephanie lived. Not at all. As wonderful a testimony as that is, the better testimony, the greater testimony is somebody who gets saved young and doesn't take drugs and doesn't take drink alcohol and doesn't live immorally. That's the greatest testimony of all. So you don't have to have done things like Stephanie did, just missing the mark. When I'm speaking to children, a lot of times I'll... I'll I'll say to them, even when you do your best not to sin, you still sin. That's true of all of us, isn't it? Even when we do our best not to sin, we all need the Savior's forgiveness. Well, so, verse 23 says, here's the fulfillment of that prophecy. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which in being interpreted God with us. Years ago, you may remember people fussing, preachers and Christians fussing about the, the revised standard version, the RSV. 
and, uh, and the way they translated the prophecy in the Old Testament about the virgin birth. If you look at your screen, let me show it to you. I think it's interesting. Give me my screen, gentlemen, please. There we go. This is the way the RSV translates Hebrews 7:14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a young woman. Now in the King James and in every other translation that I've ever read, says virgin. But the RSV translated this, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now in the midst of, the, of a divine prophecy for the future, there was a prophecy concerning something that was going on right there. The particular Hebrew word can be translated a maiden or a young woman or it can be translated virgin. It doesn't make a lot of sense even in this context. For instance, we read, if, you know, the Lord's going to give you a sign. What's that sign going to be? The sign's going to be a young woman is going to conceive and bear a son. That's not much of a sign, is it? It happens thousands of times every day. And then you're going to call his name Emmanuel. So why would he be called God with us? So just from the Hebrew side of things, it's a, it's a poor translation. Though the word can be translated, young woman. But when we come to the New Testament, the, the Greek word is parthenos. Parthenos can only be translated one way, just one way, virgin. Just like you and I know the word virgin. Just like you and I in English use the word virgin, that's the only way the word can be translated. So even in the RSV, by the way, you may remember the old preachers, the short version of RSV was the, was the RV, and it, the, the revised version. But the old preachers used to call it the reversed vision. <laughs> and rightfully so, I guess. But look at the way the RSV translates it, our Matthew text right here. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Because that's the only way you can translate that word. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So this is a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Why didn't the translators understand that this was a fulfillment? If this word couldn't be anything else, the word in, in Isaiah shouldn't be anything else. The Holy Spirit confirms it forever and forever. She was a virgin. And she was a virgin all the way up until Jesus himself was born. Now, is the virgin birth important? You bet it is. I, re I read a liberal, I think it was last year, a year before I was reading and came across a liberal's view on the virgin birth, and they were, you know, they were trying to reach a lot of people, so they were saying, now, if you believe in the virgin birth, it's okay, but it's not necessary to believe in the virgin birth, and it's fine if you don't. Well, the trouble with that is, God's word says she was a virgin. And so if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then God's word is incorrect. 
But if you're a liberal, you don't mind that because you think God's word is incorrect anyway. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, he couldn't be God. He would have to have a human father, and he couldn't be God in the flesh. But that's okay with the liberals because they don't believe that anyway. And if he died and he wasn't virgin born, he would have just been a martyr. But as God, he became the sacrifice for our sins. But the liberals don't mind that because they don't believe that anyway. So the virgin birth is extremely important. He was born of a virgin. All right, look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Can you imagine that conversation? She had told him this story and he just couldn't believe it. It was too outrageous. He comes back to her and maybe he says something like this, Mary, I'm sorry for those mean things I said. Her ears perk up. And he said, God spoke to me in a dream through an angel. And just like you said, God said, this baby was of the Holy Spirit. And he said, what was that name the angel told you to name him? And she said, Jesus. He said, that's what he told me too. Jesus. And she said, do you believe me? He said, yes, and I can see them embracing. And, and as quickly as they could now, they put things in motion so they could finalize their wedding procedure and, and were married so that they could spend a loving life together and bring up this son who was the Messiah. So Joseph, verse 24, did what the Lord had told him and, and took her his wife. And then in verse 25, and knew her not. Now, knew her is a euphemism for, for sexual intimacy. He knew her not. Till. Till implies till a certain time, and then it was different after that certain time. He knew her not till. He had brought forth his firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So virgin, uh, Mary was a virgin until she had Jesus. But after that, she and, and her husband had sexual relations like all couples do. By the way, they had more children too. You know, again, the Catholic Church talks about Mary's perpetual virgin status. But that's just not true. If you, you, the men have it, they'll put it on the screen. Over in chapter 13 of Matthew, if you got your Bibles, just flip over there. Matthew 13, verse 54 says, And when he, that's the Lord Jesus, and when he was coming to his own country, up there in, in uh, Galilee, around Nazareth, he taught them in the synagogue, insomuch that 
they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom? Where did he get this wisdom and these mighty works, these mighty miracles? They reason like this. Is not this the carpenter's son, Joseph? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, he names four brothers. Jesus had four half-brothers. They were born, of course, the natural way between, between Joseph and Mary. And then, verse 56, And his sisters, are they not all with us? And so there was plurals. We don't know how many sisters. We're not told anywhere else in Scripture either. But there was at least two because it's plural, sisters. So Jesus had at least two half-sisters and four half-brothers. James, named here, ended up being the pastor, the first pastor of the Jerusalem church. And he wrote the epistle inspired by the Holy Spirit we call James. Judas, called Judas there. By the way, Judas and Jude and Judah are all the same name. Just like Bill and Billy and William and that kind of thing. Bob and Robert and Bobby. Uh, so, this half-brother of the Lord is the one who wrote the book of Jude right in front of the book of Revelation. So she was not a perpetual virgin, but she was, gave birth to a child as a virgin. And then we come to that name, and, and he called his name Jesus. Don't you love that name? Jesus. Isn't there something beautiful about it? Doesn't just the name itself squeeze your heart a little bit? Just the name. One songwriter said this, There is a name I love to hear. I love to tell its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. It's the sweetest name on earth. Isn't that true? <laughs> and then the chorus goes, Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Another writer puts it like this. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he is just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. Jesus. Have you made him your savior? Have you let him save you from your sins? Have you let him come into your heart to be God with you through every trial and trouble? If so, that's wonderful. So let's love him and let's serve him with all of our heart and all of our strength. Now I've got a little two-minute clip from the LUMO organization. Remember, they've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, all four Gospels in over a thousand languages and their goal is by 19 by 2033 to have it in all 90 percent of the world's population can hear it. by the way there's 7,000 languages in in the world that's their goal in another 11 years I show this because again I want us to realize these were real people they really existed they had real pain. They had real emotions. They had real love. Husband and wife love for each other. 
And they also had real emotional pain and devastation. So let's watch this little clip. It may have looked something like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Wonder of wonders, mystery of mysteries, God manifest in the flesh. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. I wonder how many today would say, Pastor Paul, I've received Christ as my Savior. My sins have been forgiven. But I need to recommit my life to him this morning. And I'm doing that right now in this invitation. I want him to be Lord of every area of my life. And I'm yielding that afresh to him this morning. If that's your prayer, would you slip your hand up today? Yes, God bless you and you and you. Yes, I see hands. God bless you. Each of you, you may put them down. God bless you. I wonder how many would say, Preacher, I've never had Jesus save me from my sin. I've never had him come into my heart and be my Emmanuel. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? No one will come to you or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Anyone like that? Pray for me, Pastor Paul. Anyone? All right. Father, thank you for our time together. As we leave this place, may we leave with an awe and wonder of a baby born in a manger to go to a cross to redeem sinners, unworthy sinners like us. May our heart be filled with great gratitude, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me.